Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Santa, you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy, on now at APCO. <laughs> Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The panel. 10.21 on SCNZ Mornings with Stephen McCarver in for Smithy today and tomorrow he's on ICC Cricket World Cup duty. Of course, the White Ferns facing the Windies on Friday. Ball by ball commentary live here on SCNZ and of course all the matches live on Sky Sport as well. Well, we are on the mark today because it's Mark Watson and Mark Hinton. Mark Watson, good morning. Good morning to you, Stephen. And Mark Hinton out of stuff. How are you? Very well, thank you. Yourself? Wow, look at you both firing from the hip front. We haven't even started talking about things. All right, I know that I know one subject that will wind Watson up, and I'm sure it'll wind you up too, Hinton, uh, is the Black Caps. So I, I suggested that there, there's some has been a bit of a, and I know, excuse the horrible cliche, it has been a bit of a season of two halves. You beat up on Bangladesh, you lose to Bangladesh, beat them up. You beat up on the Proteas, and then you lose to them. Uh, what do you make of this? Mark, you first. Yeah, look, I'm disappointed. Oh, oh, sorry. We're both Marks, aren't we? Oh, sorry. Watson first. Sorry, Mark Hinton. Watson. You can just call me Watto. My wife calls me Lotto. Six balls in the bonus, baby. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. Off you go, Watto. Come on. <laughs> okay. No, look, I'm, um, yeah, uh, uh, look, it's disappointing, I, I, I think, to say. Uh, you don't expect this Black Cat team to lose at home. You don't expect them to drop a test to Bangladesh. Um, look, we're not going to win test matches until we start playing attacking spinners on a regular basis. Um, and why Ajit Patel is not on the side is beyond um, reckoning. Um, what you do, I think, is destabilise a side. You've had a guy just take 10 wickets in a test and suddenly he's dropped. Now, what sort of message do you send to the rest of your team here? We have to have an attacking spinner. Guys like um, Ravinder... Uh, Russian Ravinda, uh, when you go back and you, you look at Mitchell Santner, they're defensive-type bowlers, and we've got to break this mentality. We've got to start developing attacking spinners and believe in it. Our attack was too one-dimensional. Clearly, uh, we're, clearly um, we're missing Kane Williamson. I, I think you've got to put some serious question marks um, when, you, when you look at this side. You've got to look at some serious question marks over Henry Nichols. I think he's a good player when... You know, the openers have done a good job, but if he's coming in and exposed to that new ball sort of after 10 or 15 overs, then I think he starts to look a little bit fickle. Um, and, and look, I just don't believe that we are the best test side in the world. I, I just genuinely don't believe it. Yes, we won the test championship, but I think we got there a little bit by default. Um, we beat India in England in June. We had two tests in the lead-up to that. India didn't. I think those conditions are more conducive to us. And I think we just need to stand back and, and just have a look at what we are doing and maybe not necessarily believe all the hype. OK, Mark Hinton? 
Disagree. Um, the darlings of 2021 have well and truly come back to earth, haven't they? Um, there's been a couple of pretty average series, really, all things considered, in a row. So we've got a, a, a and at home where the Black Cats tend to be dominant, tend to produce their best cricket, and they've been up and down, haven't they, this summer? So, re- you know, really disappointing. Um, taking a, a step backwards, and, you know, I mean, they'll know that. And, you know, there's, I guess, reasons Kane Williamson is always a, a big out, you know, in, for New Zealand at cricket. Um, when he's not there, there's just, it's, it's, it's just not quite the same, is it? And as what I touched on, the one-dimensional nature of the bowling, when it fires, you know, on a, on a bit of a wicket that's conducive, those seamers can do the business. But when you need something else, they were missing it, weren't they, in that test? Um, and yeah, the uh, non-selection of AJ's Patel um, certainly mystifying, given what he did in, in uh, on, on those overseas conditions. So a big step backwards for the Batcats. They've got to pull their socks up. Not good enough for a team, you know, that now we look at as a bit like the All Blacks, a team that we expect to perform. Not good enough. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay. So I'm going to question you both on this one. I spoke to Gary Stead uh, well before these series started, and he said the reason for not picking AJS Patel were the pitches. They weren't suited to it, and he was comfortable with it. Uh, do, uh, do we not believe him now? Mark Hinton first. Oh, look- <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, I guess the comfort zone is to pick seamers in New Zealand conditions and, and, and you know, not, not rely on your spinners because of those uh, conditions. And, and that first test against the South Africans would have backed that up. But, it, but, you know, it's all about balance to me. And you look at the best attacks in the world, they've always got one spinner lurking. And no matter what conditions... Um, Australia in this prime always played Shane Warne. They pretty much, all, you know, they yeah. all India always play spinners regardless. You know, you go with a balance of attacks. You've got your seamers and you've got your spinners. Look, New Zealand conditions don't tend to be to encourage spinners, and and, and the rise of, of, of a cricketer like Ajaz Patel almost comes contrary to, I guess, his, his environment. But uh, uh, for me, um, yeah, the easy call was to leave the spinner out. The right call might have been to play him. What? Yeah, look, I, I, I'm not one to be a coward wise after the fact, but we were having this discussion with Garth Galloway early in December, November, about the importance of developing attacking spinners in this country. You look at the best sides in the world, they've all got a world-class spinner, and they generally are played in most, most conditions. Occasionally, you might not play a spinner if you are playing, say, England in June, where conditions really aren't conducive at all. But look, I don't remember Daniel Fattori missing too many test matches here in New Zealand throughout his career, so I'm not sure how the pitches and the environment in New Zealand have changed that much from playing Daniel Vittori in a test match pretty much throughout the entire New Zealand summer to suddenly saying, hey, look, we don't need to play a spinner at all. Wow. See, do you think maybe just too conservative we need to change that whole philosophical approach to how we play test cricket? Yeah, I do think we are too conservative. I don't think we take enough risks and we've never had... We've never had a history of world-class spinners, have we? It's not something, you know, we've had the Hadleys. We've had those players that have left the legacy. And so we've tended to sort of, um, yeah, follow the norm. But look, we should be writing a book the rest of the world's reading, not reading the book. Mark Hinton? Oh, well, um, I think we've hammered this one home. I mean, would a spinner perhaps have made any difference in that second test 
Possibly, probably not. But, you know, I, I think the principle's at stake here. And, um, um, you know, New Zealand perhaps could, uh, um, yeah, as what I suggested, be a bit more um, aggressive, a bit more, as we like to play our cricket, particularly our limited overs cricket, um, play it on the front foot, not on the back foot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. No, I'm with you. Are you talking? Are you sitting in the toilet, Hinton? Because it sounds like you're sitting on the toilet. Are you? Are you on speaker or are you holding the phone? Uh, I'm on my. Um, if you're on earpods, e- you yeah, earpods are poo, mate. Had had that trouble last night with Waitangi Corpu. Told him to take his earpods off. So if you don't wouldn't mind doing that, I would appreciate it. It's ten twenty eight. Just a couple of minutes before we have to take a break, lads. Just uh, quickly, but not disrespectfully, uh, Mark Hinton. Now that you've got your earpods out, what do you make of Paul Colbing World Number One? Yeah, fantastic news, isn't it? Um, um, and thoroughly deserved for mm. the boy from Greymouth. He's been hammering away. I thought he was unlucky, um, Stephen, not to win the Halberg, really, for what he'd achieved. I think it says a little bit about squash, and it's kind of it's kind of fall from grace <laughs> as a major sport, doesn't it? You know, or it uh, says a lot about the Halberg game. voting. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's easy to take shots, but you know, it's, you're comparing uh, <laughs> a lot of great achievements, and, and someone's got to make the calls, mate. Are you but, on? Uh, are you on the panel? I am on the panel. <laughs> you know, I, I hit, I hear a lot of criticism, but I don't hear any solutions. And, and at the end of the day, an award that honours uh, New Zealand's greatest sports people, I don't hear anybody suggesting um, how to do better. Have it. Yeah, yeah no. well, I've got a suggestion. I've got a, I've got a suggestion. The rowing eight over the cricket team. Um, <laughs> absolutely, I voted. I voted for the rowing eight. Why don't I thought they should have won it? Um, but you know, I've just, always said you're. I've always baby. said you're an intelligent man, Mark. <laughs> okay, yeah. you two, Mark. What's uh, what? I'll get back to you after ten thirty about the Paul Cole thing. But nice call, by the way, on the rowing eight because that that, that seventy two weight from seventy two was a long, long time, and it was well deserved. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Ten thirty-three. Talk to me. Talk to me. Big talk. Watto and Mark Hinton in the house today. So Watto, just before the break, we were talking about uh, the Paul Cole and the impact. What do you think of it? Oh yeah, remarkable boy! What a tough sport aerobically squash is. Anybody that plays squash will just realise what is required. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think um, Mark or yourself might have referred to squash sort of maybe having sort of died off. I don't think it has internationally. I think it's maybe no, died no, off no one said it had died off. Well, they said that the, well, perhaps the interest wasn't there, but I think the interest is not there because we haven't had a, a genuine New Zealand point of view, really sort of going back since Ross Norman and Dame Susan DeVoy. Yes, there's been other um, former New Zealand women that have been sort of ranked number one in the world. But, yeah, look, I think this is remarkable. I think he's probably... Um, yeah, I think he's the most underrated sportsman in New Zealand at the moment, and I think he deserves more media coverage, and hopefully he's now going to start to get that. In fairness, he has started to get it, um, but, yeah, let's really celebrate this guy because it is an incredibly tough sport. Semi-final uh, later on this afternoon, that'll be live on Sky Sport against the number four, Tarek Momin, the guy who beat him in the 2019-2020 uh, World Cup. OK, let's just keep moving. Oh, I, wanted to, uh, I know it sounds, feels a little crickety, lads, but uh, that Black Caps or White Ferns performance yesterday, I would think, and I said to Sophie Devine at 10 o'clock this morning, it was a real statement. She agreed it was a statement win that they needed going forward. I'd like to know from you, Mark Hinton, where you think the White Ferns are going to end up in this Cricket World Cup, and you know who will they face in the final? I mean, what are you what are you thinking right now with them? Well, I think on on home turf, 
Um, we've got to have an expectation, or at least, the very least, a hope that they'll make the final. Australia will be very t- tough to topple. I think there's six times um, a women's cricket world cup. Yes, champion. correct, so, correct. Um, yeah, yeah, they'll be tough. Look, they're, you know, I think they're on a on a run of they've won 29 of their last 30 ODIs. Look, the numbers don't lie there, do they? They are clearly the best women's team on the planet, and will be the team to beat in this in this World Cup. But if ever New Zealand's got a chance, you have to think it's this one and conditions that will be helpful and sort of circumstances as well, you know, with everything going on, being at home is going to be at least some help for them. And look, it just seems like it's a kind of a little bit of a generational team. I mean, let me just say a few of these names. Sophie Devine, Susie Bates, Amelia Kerr, Amy Sathaway. These, these are names we know. These are names we are used to hearing. These are names we see producing on a regular basis. So um, you have to have hope that New Zealand um, uh, could at least make that final and give those Aussies a run for their money. And, you know, um, <laughs> if you're in the final, you're in with a show. So let's, let's go and get them behind them, but they'll need um, a bit of luck to beat those Aussies. I like the way you think. What about you, Watto? Oh, look, I think Australia will win it. I, I think Australia, when it comes to any form of cricket, you're always going to put them as the number one favourite, not dissimilar as putting the All Blacks at times when it comes to anything rugby. Uh, look, I'm not convinced. Um, I think we can semi-finals for sure, and I think that would be the minimum sort of pass mark for them. I just haven't seen enough consistency over from them over the last 12 months. Um, I don't think some of the players are fit enough, uh, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I hope I'm proven wrong when you list those four names that uh, Mark mentioned there. I, I guess it does sort of install a little bit of hope and, you know, we are playing at home. So maybe some of those sort of frailties that we've seen in England and Australia in recent times, um, you know, the home advantage maybe alleviates a few of them. But I'm not as convinced about it, to be perfectly honest. Where, where is your faith in the tournament mentality, giving it at all for over a tournament period? What are what do you mean my faith? I'm just realistic. No. I, I, look, New, Zealand women, New, Zealand women, New Zealand women's cricket just haven't done enough to instill belief. It's like these people that will start the season believing the Warriors are going to go on and somehow oh, win. You no, no, have to earn that right. You have to earn that respect, Stephen, and they haven't done that in recent years. And so I'm not going to get swept up in nationalism. I'm just calling it as I see it. I hope they prove me wrong, but I cannot see them winning this tournament. Are you with them on this one, Mark? Uh, well, I think I just gave my views. But, yeah, OK. Uh, I think All right. I think they're a shot, but Aussie, Aussie, Australia are the team to beat, no doubt. All righty. All right, let's move on. Uh, the impact of Dame Val on this country in general and her achievements. What I'll go to you first, because I know you love your athletics. Yeah, oh, look, remarkable. Um, big, big influence, particularly amongst the Pacific Island community, the Māori community, in terms of getting people active. Um, you know, let's be honest, um, shot put, it's one of the traditional sports at the Olympics. They build the stadium at the Olympics, the track and field, dominated historically by the Eastern Europeans. Here comes Dame Valerie Adams um, from Rotorua. And says, hey, look, you, you know, you, you can do this. You can win on the biggest stage. And, um, you know, we started to see it with uh, Maddie Weshi, who finished sixth in Tokyo. I think she's part of that legacy of Dame Valerie Adams. I think the success um, that you've seen from Tom Walsh is seeing a fellow New Zealander going, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. And sometimes that's all you need. You know, two Olympic Games gold medals, a silver, a bronze, four world championships, four world indoor championships, three Commonwealth Games gold medals. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty good legacy, isn't it? And, and I'll always say that. It still just says, look, you know, there's a lot of cynicism around sport these days with drugs and stuff in sport. But it still says you can still do it 
legitimately, you can still be a statistical outlier, and you can come from any small town in New Zealand. As long as you've got the belief, the work ethic, you can still conquer the world stage. And I think that's the message Steve sent. Mark Hanson, I was thinking about this, and it, was, it actually came out of the, the words of, of Dame Val herself. She said, I don't want to just be remembered for throwing a, a steel ball. Yeah, and I, and, and I don't think she will be. She's a true icon, isn't she? Um, uh, Blaze the Trail is what I um, point, quite rightly pointed out for um, for her sport. Um, you know, the success, the way she carried herself, the consistency. You know, did she, did she went um, 107 uh, consecutive meets from 2006 to 2015 on a winning streak. Um, incredible. And, you know, you almost forget that because over the later stages of her career, she was, when she came back from having the babies and, and had a lot of injuries, she was a little bit fallible. And, you know, uh, those goals started to turn to other shades. But um, what a wonderful period that was for for her. And um, she steps, you know, the most remarkable thing for me listening yesterday, Stephen, was at the age of 37 with those two lovely children cradled in her arms and obviously, you know, entering a different stage of her life. She still found it so tough to step away from mm. the sport. She was in tears talking about it. The emotions were, you know, were there for all to see. She very nearly continued, she said, through to Birmingham. She, she took months to make the call and actually started training again, which says a lot about sports people's, uh, the difficulty sports people have just saying, um, no more. this is the end for me, no more. Because as she said, this is all I've known. The shot put has been her life since the age of 14, more or less, and since she sort of started competing full-time from about the age of 17. So um, this is all she's known, and she's entering a new stage, and look, she's going to be successful at whatever she does, isn't she? So um, I think all of New Zealand takes a bow to Dame Val. It's been a wonderful career. Yeah, no, when you, just listening to you talk about that fact, you know, of, of so hard to, to let it go, it reminds me that I honestly thought that was probably the same thing with Mahe Drysdale. You know, Mahi probably should have pulled the pin in, you know, a lot earlier than he did, but he just couldn't seem to let go. Would you Would you agree with me on that, gents, Watto? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think the hardest thing, you've got to remember for so long, this has also been your sense of self-worth. This has been your sovereignty. This is what pretty much defines you. It's exciting. Yes, the highs and the lows. And I think the biggest challenge for a lot of athletes in their part of their career is, will life ever be as exciting again in that next chapter of their life. Now, clearly, yes, you do find it through kids. You do find it through family. I get that. But I think that's the big challenge. Will life ever be as exciting in that next chapter? Is the most exciting part of my life now come to an end? And I think that's often where the head games are played. And I think that is the reason why often sport ends up becoming more of an addiction. And you're not necessarily, say, competing you're not necessarily training to compete. You end up, sometimes it goes the other way. You're competing so that you can keep training, so you can keep the lifestyle, so you can keep that, um, you know, that, that chemical release, that buzz, the adrenaline. All right, lads, appreciate the time. Mark and Mark, I apologise for asking you the same question to start with. And Mark, Hinton, I was listening. I know on two occasions today you said, as I said before, Stephen, as if you weren't listening, I was listening, but I apologise. It's all good, mate. <laughs> Have a good day. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks, what I appreciate it. It's- when making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.